After entrepreneurship used to be a long and winding journey. Even if you had an amazing idea, not anymore. Learn from entrepreneurs who had the drive to take it to the next level. From Studio BAGC, join our host, Shil Niyogi, the author of two best-selling books on growing businesses and engaging customers while doing so. And buckle up for a new episode of Driven. This one and only podcast to help you connect the dots and successfully drive your business on roads less traveled. Welcome to another episode of the Driven Podcast. I'm your host, Shil Niyogi. And today on our show, we have Thomas Park, CEO of Retium, a unique product at the intersection of real estate investments and blockchain. So let me qualify that a little further. We know that real estate investments can be somewhat expensive at times. And then blockchain instruments may not necessarily always have a base asset, which make some of us concerned in in those investments. And that is where Retium comes in as it gives you a way to invest in real estate as it fractionalizes the cost of ownership so that you can be a shareholder in a house and then you can have a diverse portfolio. So imagine you have fractional ownerships in a house in Paris and then one in London and one in Kolkata. So his product is already in the market and he is looking to scale, expand and hit other geographies. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jill, for having me here today. Great. So tell us about your product. Yeah, so um, our product is a a platform, a marketplace, two-sided. So uh, real estate asset owners can put their deals onto our platform. And what we do is that with our platform, we fractionalize the real estate investment so that we can actually open up the investments to a global uh, audience and get um, people from all different countries to be able to invest into starting Canadian and U.S. properties. Great, great. So... Do I use it like Robinhood or E-Trade app on my mobile to buy these? Uh, uh, okay, great. And what, what is the user experience like? Are there screens of some formal form filling? So, so tell us a little bit about the user experience because I know that there are some compliance related aspects as well. Definitely. Um, so primarily when we came up with the idea three years ago, um, I've been a realtor for the past 17 years, and uh, I have 9% of my portfolio of clients are investors. And so I see a lot of people getting into the market, making their wealth through real estate. And so when we actually came up with the idea, um, what had happened was we quickly learned if we're selling shares within a corporation that owns the property, we're actually selling a security. So what we had to do is that we had to build a compliance engine into our platform to ensure that every trade or every investor is compliant with security regulations in the United States and Canada to start. And so if you are a retail investor, you make a certain amount of money per year, 
Um, sure. Our compliance agent will tell you how much you're compliantly legally able to buy on our platform in that calendar year. If you're a credit investor, somebody that makes over $200,000 in a year or has a million dollars in liquid assets, um, they can put any amount that they want because they're more, they're called what we call sophisticated investors. So our compliance engine in our platform will enable everybody to be able to invest what is compliantly allowed to. And I'll give you an example. Um, you mentioned Robinhood. Robinhood is actually the idea uh, where we were looking at where the Robinhood of real estate investing. However, there is a little bit of a challenge with Robinhood. If a retail investor invests into stocks, they can invest $20,000, $100,000. There's no limitations in comparison. So for us is that we actually have to put in those restrictions for a retail investor to ensure that they are not putting in more money than they earn in that calendar year. So our compliance engine will filter all that out. And then people in Canada, the United States will be able to invest into properties compliantly. Now, other countries that have maybe more relaxed security regulations, let's say Korea, South Korea, I'm Korean, my background, or let's even say India, India, somebody from India, how does somebody from India buy a property in Canada or the United States? It's very difficult. So when we, when we fractionalize it, um, people can actually get into investments into real estate offerings or real estate deals at a fraction of the cost. So there's less risk involved. So instead of having to buy a whole ownership of a house in, let's say, Vancouver, which, you know, average prices is going to be 1.2 to 1.5 million, that's a huge risk, but then eliminates majority of the population that can afford that. However, we can fractionalize that same asset and sell shares within a corporation that owns that asset. And then somebody can buy in with $100 or $1,000 or $10,000. And I know that India, I believe, can actually take out $250,000 a year legally, and you can invest that into real estate. However, you can diversify. You don't have to buy everything in Vancouver. You can buy Vancouver, Toronto, Texas, Los Angeles, New York, and diversify your portfolio. Great, great. So... Just a follow-up question on that. So can a person buy and sell uh, similarly like we do with shares, um, you know, talking about Robinhood and um, the mobile applications that, that work on, on different financial instruments? So can we do something seamlessly or there are other compliance aspects that we have to take care of? So right now, um, an individual investor from Canada and the United States can actually buy a uh, shares within a corporation, they can buy actually a publicly traded company. However, a lot of people's exposure, um, I would say retail investors exposure to the stock market is actually becoming more prevalent. More people are actually investing into stocks, but you can put a hundred dollars into stocks and lose a hundred dollars in a day. However, sure. when you're looking at real estate, real estate has always been a safe, secure way for you to invest is that you're investing into a property. So your shares are backed by an asset. So if the market goes up by 10%, your share values go up by 10%. If the market goes down by 10%, you're only losing 10%. Whereas in the stock market, again, you could put $100 in and lose that $100 within a day. So with our platform is that there are a lot of deals, um, private placements um, of assets that want to raise capital for really viable products or projects. And they don't want to go public because the costs that are associated with going uh, to become a publicly traded company is very, very costly. 
So what they do is that they go after the accredited investors and the accredited investors will look at these deals. You might have five or 10 accredited investors to fill a $10 million deal. However, it's still looking at that small group of people that actually will invest in those private placements. But what we're doing when we fractionalize it, fractionalizing the asset is that we can actually open up a global pool of capital. So the current real estate market is a $280 trillion market. Wow. And that's the largest asset class in the world. Now, it's always been reserved for people uh, that have made higher incomes with great credit and big down payments. So that excludes majority of the world's population from buying and investing in real estate. So when we fractionalize it and we take it down to $100, now we can actually open up what we call um, uh, a global pool of capital, what we call sleeping capital, which is estimated to be about $3 trillion. So now from somebody from India doesn't have to really know the properties in Canada or in the United States, it's less of a risk now that they can put $1,000 or $500 or $100 into a property, see what the returns are, and then basically make more investments later down in the future. Apportionment or fractionalizing is an important takeaway from um, blockchain. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of the other aspects um, the product uses, some of the other blockchain aspects, such as data transparency or distributed ledger security, sure. and then, of course, compliance. Because I know that uh, when you started, you thought about blockchain um, as one of the key guiding rails for your business. Well, I can give you a little bit of a backstory of how I came sure. about with the idea. And uh, so, again, I've been a realtor for 17 years. I've sold a lot of real estate here in Vancouver, but the banks have turned down more people than they've approved. And these people actually had a little bit of money, but not necessarily enough to put a down payment. Maybe they had bad credit. Maybe they didn't make enough money in their job. The cost of properties are very, very expensive. So these people have been priced out. So what are they doing? They're saving, 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 and they're waiting or investing. Now they're looking at alternative investments. They're going to the stock markets and everything like that, but they still wanted to buy property. So with our platform, so uh, blockchain or cryptocurrencies was going through the roof, and this was in 2018. Um, Bitcoin, um, you know, was uh, and Ethereum were going through the roof, and I, I didn't understand the technology. And I come from a tech background, so I was like, "Why are people investing into these cryptocurrencies? They're not backed by anything." Yeah. And so I did a lot of research, I did a lot of reading, and I, what I learned is is that the underlying technology to Bitcoin is and cryptocurrencies. Are blockchain. And so that's what really intrigued me. And so it was quite interesting. I was like, mm, okay, so blockchain can solve a lot of problems because of the trust that's available to it and the distributed ledger. And how can we incorporate that with um, maybe fulfilling this need of people that having a little bit of money, but not necessarily enough to get into real estate, but they want it. It's like, how can blockchain solve that problem? And so Just at the time, I was working on a project, uh, a travel app with my two co-founders, Michael Mall and Laura Forte. And so we were talking about it. We're talking about blockchain and Laura and Michael entered a hackathon to put title registry on the blockchain. And so they won this hackathon. And because I've been in real estate, they came to me and they said, "Okay, let's do this. Let's build a company. Let's do a title registry on the blockchain. And I 
thought about it. And, you know, it's not a first world problem. It's a third world problem. You know, there's a lot of fraud, you know, it might go through change, you know, to 15 to 20 hands before it actually the transfers transferred from the owner to the, uh, to the buyer. And so there's a lot of issues with fraud in third world countries, but in, you know, first world countries, it's not an issue. And then I thought about the adoption of blockchain for third world countries. And I said, well, it's going to take a very, very long time. And how do we monetize that? So we put our heads together and I, and what we came up with is fractionalizing real estate investments and allowing anybody with a hundred dollars to be able to invest into income producing properties and share the rental income after expenses and the appreciation. So that's how the whole idea came about. And then what we quickly learned is that we were selling a share within a corporation that only assets. So we were selling a security. So we had to follow all the security guidelines of the SEC, BCSE, or the OSE, the, the comparables in Canada. And so we had to build the compliance engine based upon that. And so that's what we raised our capital. We raised 750000 through friends and family. And we started building. And we built about a platform and a marketplace. And this is where we are today. Great, great. So this sounds very interesting. So mm-hmm. now let me ask you a question away from blockchain. Does owning a share also make me go and stay there? Uh, I'm starting to get ideas. For example, if I buy uh, a 50th of a property, let's say in Vancouver, is it yes. okay to plan a stay there for a week? Or in other, in other words, does it have some time sharing aspects as well? Well, very good question, actually. Um, when we initially looked at the idea is that Retium would actually also be the asset owner. So we would go out, buy assets and put it onto the platform. And then basically, uh, you know, depending on what the asset was. So what we can do is that we can fractionalize anything. We can fractionalize cars, artwork, uh, you know, uh, gold, um, anything really. But for us, we're hyper-focused on real estate because it's the largest asset class in the world. And right. for us is that we had asset owners that were um, coming to us saying, we have student housing in all the major universities in Ontario, and we want to raise capital on your platform so that we can actually build out these student housing, which is supposedly re- uh, recession-proof and have great returns. Then right. you have commercial buildings, commercial offices, warehouses, you have multifamily properties, you have people with single family homes. Um, the challenge that we were faced with is that we need to vet every deal onto the platform because we want wins for our investors. Right. If you came to me and said, Thomas, I have a single family house in Chicago and I want to buy the four houses beside me and I want to tear down all four houses plus my own. And so I want to buy out my neighbors. I want to do land assembly and then I want to build multifamily properties or might be a row of townhouses. Can we raise pa- a pro- um, um, uh, funds onto your platform so that I can do this? So my first question is, Shil, how long have you been doing this? How many deals have you done in the past? Can you show us a performance? Can you show us all the numbers so that we know that you are qualified if we raise the capital on the platform, they are not just going to take off with the money. So yeah. for us is that we're hyper-focused to look at assets that are already generating an income so that we can give returns to the investors. And it could be a short-term rental property. It could be a multifamily property. It could be a motel, hotel. It could be anything that's related to real estate. But Retium is not the asset owner. We are a technology that fractionalizes the asset so that the individual that actually buys a share within a corporation that owns the asset 
is protected using blockchain so that their ownership is protected with all their documentation that they've signed, all the legal documents that were actually provided right at the beginning, the transfer of the title from um, the, in, uh, the the company that or the person that we bought the property from to the new to the new corporation, and then the investors own the share. So for us, we are not the asset owners. Now there is a short-term rental fund that we're going to be putting onto the platform, and that's actually run by somebody else. So technically, somebody that wants to invest into that short-term rental fund can stay in any of the short-term rentals that they have purchased in North America. And their goal is that if you are an investor in that company, that you will actually get to get a reduced nightly rate. So the whole timeshare thing, timeshare actually has kind of a negative uh, name to it because it's a, it's a cash cow. People are buying a timeshare. They can only use one week out of, you know, 52 weeks. And then what happens is that, you know, they get busy, they don't use it, then they forget about it, but they're still paying monthly uh, um, maintenance fees. So it actually costs them and there's no secondary market for that. However, a short-term rental fund that buys short-term rental properties, those properties will appreciate, they will be cash flowed. They do actually have a higher rate of return in terms of uh, cap rates. And so the, right. the investors that invest into them, instead of paying a maintenance fee to keep this uh, timeshare, they can invest into a short-term rental fund, stay in those properties. They're still going to have to pay the nightly rate, but they'll get a reduced rate. But after, after expenses, those the, 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 the income that comes off those properties actually go to the shareholders. Plus, those properties appreciate within a year by 10%, your share values increase by 10%. Right. So- this model is actually, I would say, a, uh, a uh, hyper, uh, I guess, future um, way of actually looking at timeshares. And we've actually had some timeshare companies looking at us to see how they can fractionalize it rather than staying in the properties. Is that how can they generate the revenues and then share those revenues with the individuals rather than having to those individuals pay into the timeshare? Right. Wow. No, this is, this is great. So what kind of competition do you have? You know, like mm-hmm. direct, direct and secondary at this point from REITs and then other providers. I know Retium is a new concept. So, um, so yeah. obviously you don't necessarily have anyone exactly like you, but then anyone who is not necessarily mm-hmm. a direct competition, but someone who's kind of secondary or tertiary. Um, so can you well, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so thank you. Um, you can look at REITs as being a competitor to us. You right. have so you have a plethora like REITs. If you look at the REITs and the returns right. that they've generated, so a real estate investment trust that you see that it's a publicly traded company, you will have all the details. You'll see what their returns that they've brought in, and they've done fairly well for very well for those investors. However, somebody from South Korea wants to buy U.S. stock. It's actually very kind of challenging. So um, now there are a lot of private REITs that do not want to go public because of obviously the cost. Right. That private REIT would, can actually use our platform and become a client on our platform so that we can actually help get them funded even more so by a, that global, global pool of sleeping capital. Um, so REITs can be a competitor or actually they can be our client as well. And then we do actually have some competitors um, that are doing you know, only accredited investors, only commercial properties only in the United States or only in Canada. And they're not using blockchain. Uh, We have actually a SaaS model, so software as a service. And so a lot of these, some of these companies are actually licensing out our technology 
because they've been in business for 10, 15, 20 years, but they don't have the, uh, the platform to digitize their whole entire back end and then be able to manage all their investors and all their shareholders and all the documentation. So we have companies actually licensing out our tech to do specifically that is that they do not want to go onto a, let's say a retail platform. They just want to do their own because they've got an established business, but they're licensing out our tech so that we're generating a monthly SaaS fee, a setup fee, and uh, transaction fee. So we actually earn a lot from other companies that are doing somewhat similar, but not digitized. And we're digitizing their companies for them. I'm sure you may have started with an MVP and then it kind of went iteratively into another product idea. And then finally, it has come to this product, which other companies are finding useful to invest in. So talk a little bit about the journey. You know, when you start with a product, and you don't necessarily have any customers, you have to kind of think through what the customers would want. So you have to conduct focus groups or you know, identify basically the most important value points for your customer. If you can talk a little bit about that, that would be great. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, so, Shil, uh, it was actually quite interesting is that um, when we actually raised the 750000 through friends and family, usually... What happens is the Silicon Valley model is product market fit. Build a product, see what the market is, and see if there's a fit. If there's no fit, then go back and reiterate the product. Right. So for us, actually, we, we did it. And one of our, our, C, our acting CFO um, told us, you guys actually did it differently. So how we went out is that when we raised the 750000 we went to a conference in Singapore. It's called Money 2020, huge fintech con- conference, Marina Bay Sands, awesome venue, awesome like conference. And that was one of our first ones that we ever went to. And it was quite interesting because during that time, when we go to a conference, you can only meet so many people in a day. You can say, hi, my name is Thomas Park. I'm from Vancouver. This is what we're doing. And this other person will say, oh, I'm Shill. I'm from Chicago. This is what I'm doing. And if there's no synergies, I've just wasted five minutes of your time, 10 minutes of your time, my time, and there's no fit. Right. So, and, and, and that's not a bad thing. You know, you meet a lot of people, which is a great thing. But what we realized is that we have something or we were offering something that was unlike everybody at the time. I think we were too future three years ago. So when we went to a conference, we actually got a booth. We sat there and we waited for the people to come to us and see what we were doing. And then we can explain it to them. And that's how we built out 10,000 registered investors wanting to get into assets, get, wanting to get into investments is because now people would walk by our booth. They would see what we were doing and they're like, oh, this is interesting. Let me go to the booth. Let me talk to these guys. And that's when we would actually have that interaction rather than wasting time, you know, meeting people that would never be interested in what we're doing or were never be interested in what they're doing rather than sitting in one place at a conference and everybody comes around and says, okay, what do you guys do? Tell me, you know, how can I use this platform? I have assets in, you know, Texas that I want to put onto your platform, or I am an investor, I'm a creditor, or I'm a retail investor. How do I get to buy? So it was actually a perfect synergy and going to nine different countries, 35 different conferences, most of them that we boost, that we had a booth in, we built 10,000 registered investors, but we also built a name for ourselves, but we also listened. Like, I, I would say that I'm not the smartest person in the room. However, instead of doing uh, market or sorry, product market fit, we actually went out to the market first 
We listened to what everybody wanted. We built the product around everything that we've learned about, and then we built a fit. So by the time we are actually where we are today, we built out a platform where people are coming to us saying, you actually solve a huge problem. And um, COVID was actually put a little bit of a wrench into everything, just like it has for a lot of businesses. And, you know, we didn't know where we were. We're a startup, you know, with startups, the biggest issue is money. And so we're like in the process of raising capital at the time. And it was in a position where everybody just stopped. And we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So this was roughly about March 15th last year. Hmm. And everybody, all the investors were all stopped. They're like, oh no, we're not going to look at any investments. We're going to see what happens with this. And for us, it was actually kind of scary because we're like, oh, okay, our burn rate is X and we'll run out of money by this certain time. Um, but what had happened was, is that COVID actually kind of accelerated um, Retium in the sense of the SaaS model, which is our software as a service, sure. is because people do not want to meet face-to-face anymore or they can't because of COVID. So what had happened was instead of going to their bank, talking to their financial advisor, you know, doing all the paperwork and everything like that, they would actually do that face-to-face. But now because of COVID, they actually have to do everything digitally. So a lot of companies have to digitally transform their business and how they work with investors. So for us is that our platform does that already. And that's why SaaS, software as a service. So we had a, a like a broker dealer. They actually are the, the uh, compliance part of the selling securities in the United States and Canada. Canada, they're called exam market dealers. Approached us and then like, hmm. We saw, they saw our platform, we did a demo for them and they're like, we need to incorporate this into our business because this is the future. And there was actually a, uh, one large company that has done about $2.2 billion in real estate transactions in the United States from Canadian investors. And one of the, um, the partners, first thing he asked me is like Thomas Park. He goes, I can raise $30 million in two weeks through accredited investors. Why do I need the RTM platform? And I asked him, I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm like, let me ask you one question. He's like, okay. My question was, what's the average age of your investors? And his response was, you got me. (laughs) So accredited investors, probably usually around 50 uh, years plus. Right. They traditionally, how they, um, they get these accredited investors is that they'll do a wine and cheese party at a location, show them the development you know, do a big presentation and then sign them up and say minimum investments, $25,000. And who wants to sign up? So with COVID is that they can't do those anymore. Right. <laughs> and so also the average age of those investors. So that generation wealth, generation wealth is being transferred to millennials and it's in the trillions of dollars. And as, as you, uh, I know she'll use it. You have two children, but millennials are a little bit older. They don't want to yeah. sit with a financial advisor. They don't want to sit with uh, a, uh, they don't want to go to a bank and sit with a financial planner. They want to do everything self-serve. So they want to, you know, go into their mobile phones. They want to go to use Uber. They want to use Robinhood. They want to use Airbnb. So right. our platform actually digitized that whole entire backend, that whole process that these asset owners were generating um, or traditionally getting these accredited investors to come in, but the new accredited investors are actually these millennials and millennials don't want to do the wine and cheese. They never do. They want to do everything self-serve. They want to sit on a bus. If they're sitting on the bus, they want to surf on their phone and say, okay, well, what can I buy today? And so for us, we learned that millennials and not like it was a big secret, but millennials just do not want to meet anybody. They just want to do everything self-serve. So we built an iOS 
uh, app. We built an Android app so that they can actually do all their investments on their phone, look at their all the properties that are available to them. They can choose to all their documents online. We can actually um, do all their subscription documents um, and sign via DocuSign on their phone. So we made it very, very simple for these people to make their investments, which a lot of our competitors were not doing. And that's why our competitors are looking at our platform and saying, we want to license out your tech. And that's where we are today. So um, the SaaS model for us was the lowest hanging fruit where we actually started generating revenue. Right. So that was a little bit of long, but uh, hopefully I didn't take too long there. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So um, now to that question, um, you know, are you also looking to, to grow in India? Uh, so two parts, right? So you want Indian investors and then you want also properties that want to be put onto your network of properties. So, um, so what kind of scaling up were you planning? Um, and not only to India, I'm, I'm just saying anything outside, maybe North America for that matter. Definitely. And this is actually part of our secret sauce and right. it won't be a secret anymore, but um, you know, when we look at it from the perspective of looking at other countries. So if you look at real estate, every it's real estate's aspirational. Everybody wants to own it, but not everybody can afford it. Right. And now they have the ability through platforms like us or competitors that come later in the future. Even if we had a thousand competitors, I'll give you an example because it's the largest asset class in the world. It doesn't matter. We can still be a billion dollar company with a thousand competitors. Sure. The current stock market, you add the current stock market, you add uh, crypto market, you add gold and oil, it still doesn't equate to the global real estate market. So for us is that how does somebody from India or South Korea or Japan or Southeast Asia or Venezuela or you know any of these other countries in South America or all over Europe buy properties in Canada and the United States? It's very, very difficult. But right. now when we fractionalize it, we can actually take those investments from somebody from India, somebody that wants to get their money outside of the country. And I'll give you an example. China has their, their, their laws uh, to take money outside of China uh, is very, very strict. Uh, per adult, they can only take out $50,000 US per year. So I did a conference in uh, Beijing. So I uh, got a booth at a luxury uh, real estate conference in Beijing eight years ago. And kind of funny thing is that, you know, Retium wasn't even a, a dream. I had no ideas about Retium. Um, but going to these conferences, I thought, you know, real estate in Vancouver was going through the roof. You know, we have one of the, one of the most cities that has the highest uh, property values. And so I thought it was going to be these uber rich Chinese people that wanted to buy five, $10 million properties in Vancouver. And this was the best place to meet them. So at this conference, it was, it was very enlightening. We were bombarded from the middle class. People were coming to me and saying, Thomas, I just want to get my money outside of China. And I have $50,000. I have a hundred thousand dollars. I have $200,000. How do I get my money outside? I'm like, sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> At the time, I was like, I don't know how to help you because fractional ownership of real estate wasn't even in my roadmap because I didn't know. But now going back and seeing how can we service? Okay, so there's a big issue, there's a big problem. How can we service those people that have a little bit of money, middle class working in China that have $50,000 and want to get that money outside of the country? And 50% of their portfolio is real estate. So now with the retail platform, they can actually invest $50,000 into a property in Texas. The wife can actually invest another $50,000 in a property in Chicago. 
another, uh, you know, maybe adult son or adult daughter can invest another $50,000 in a property in Vancouver. So they diversified. One goes up by 12%, one goes up by 3%, one goes up by 20%. They're diversified. Yeah. And so for them is that now within five years, they've taken out $150,000 per year. In five years, they could sell all the real estate assets that they have on our platform, use those funds and actually buy property in the United States, whole ownership, and even maybe have enough money to do an EB-5 um, uh, application. So let me ask you this last question. If one wants to get in as an investor or a partner in this process, how can that person do that? Do you have a website? Do you have an email ID that you can give us? Um, And at the same time, there was a second part. If somebody wants to be mentored by you because you know you have kind of been through this this whole um, uh, path or journey of you know ideating and then testing how your ideas work and then finally building that product that you are right now um, bringing to market. So how can a person reach out to you uh, either as an investor or as a men- or as a mentee? Sure. So there's two types of investors. One that the investor, actually, there's kind of like three. So the type of clients that we have, one is actually an asset owner that wants to list the property onto our platform. Two is the investor that wants to invest into real estate assets on the platform. But we are in a raise for capital for our company. And so that would be an investor into our company. So that might be an option for some people that might be wanting to invest into a startup. I'd say we're three years in, and I think that we've got a lot of traction now um they can actually reach me directly they can send an email to my email address which is thomas at retium r-e-i-t-i-u-m.com right they can either go to our website which is uh retium.com r-e-i-t-i-u-m.com and as for mentorship definitely i think that uh we we have to be very cognizant of time and you know i have a finite, and this is the, 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 you know, the most resource that we have, or the most precious resource that we have is time. So, you know, running a company, a corporation, running a business, and then running a, uh, you know, uh, a startup is the amount of time. Oh, and then also having that balance with family. So yeah. I can definitely be helpful in a lot of ways but I just don't have enough time. If some, if 10 people or 20 people said, Hey, Thomas, can, can you be a mentor to us um, individually? I, I'd find that a little hard, but I would be more than happy to share stories and, and share, you know, all the, the, what I've learned over the last three years and being in a startup, this is actually probably my first startup that I actually raised capital for. And so it's been a, a very, very great journey. And kind of funny thing is that, uh, if two more seconds is that we actually had an investment, uh, a gentleman that we met in Singapore from India that was a Bitcoin millionaire no actually way. offered us $30 million for 75% of our company. And that was three years ago when we just first started. And, you know, I talked to my co-founders, I'm like, hmm, should we have taken that $30 million? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we look at it from where we are now to, you know, three years ago, the journey that we've been on has been amazing. And, you know, there's been highs and lows like every other startup, but I'm glad we took the journey that we did because we get to actually fulfill our dream of democratizing real estate investing. Sure. So 
I would be honored to, you know, mentor and share my story and share, you know, the, a lot of the, you know, examples and what I've learned down the road. Um, but what I'm saying is timing is a little bit of a challenge as well, is that I have to balance life, real estate, uh, retium, and, and all my other clients. So definitely it's something I can do, but it would have to be at a very, very, very small group. And it would have to be over, you know, like maybe little groups of five or 10 at a time, rather than just trying to do people individually. Sure. No, absolutely. Understand. I mean, the, the bandwidth is is one of the main challenges, especially for a person such as yourself, who is wearing so many hats at the same time as a startup yeah. owner. So it's totally understandable. So this is all the time we have today. So thank you again, Thomas, for a great walkthrough of the unique way of making properties accessible to everyone across geography. So that's an immensely valuable thing. And very inspiring to our listeners to walk the steps you have taken and how you have been driven all along. Listeners, please feel free to reach me at shil.niogi. So it, it is S-H-I-L dot N-I-Y-O-G-I at gmail.com if you have any questions. Thanks again for listening. 